Welcome to the nationally syndicated In the Oil Patch radio show with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from the Port of Corpus Christi studios. Get more on the Port of Corpus Christi at portofcc.com. In the Oil Patch radio show will give you an inside look at the oil, gas, and energy industry and how it affects you from industry experts and government officials right here on the In the Oil Patch radio show. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We'll be joined by Carrie Davis, the Vice President of Governmental Affairs and General Counsel for the American Association of Port Authorities, better known as AAPA. But first, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. The feature is Ann Bradbury, the CEO of American Exploration and Production Council out of Washington, D.C., it's a trade association that is designed to advocate and educate on behalf of the oil and gas industry. In other words, helping our elected officials better understand the policies and laws that they put in place and how they affect the oil and gas industry, and then of course, how it trickles down to you and I, the American people. One of my guests, Michael Schellenberger, who is a author as well as an advocate uh, for uh, nuclear, oil and gas, and all things energy, very amazing journalist, um, recently was asked to testify in front of Congress for the seventh time in two years. And um, I want to read a little bit of excerpts from his testimony. He is testifying for the Committee on Oversight and Reform. And he begins with saying, uh, I share this committee's concern with climate change and misinformation. It is for that reason that I have, for more than 20 years, conducted energy analysis, worked as a journalist, and advocated for renewables, coal to natural gas switching, and nuclear power to reduce carbon emission. But at the same time, I am deeply troubled by the way concerns over climate change is being used to repress domestic energy production. And the U.S. is failing to produce sufficient quantities of natural gas and oil for ourselves and our allies. And as a result, it is the worst energy crisis in 50 years, continuing inflation and harming workers and consumers in the U.S. and the Western world. Energy shortages have already resulted in the rise of social disorder and toppled governments, and they continue to get much worse. We should do more to address climate change, but in that framework, we should prioritize energy abundance, reliability, and security. Climate change is real, and we seek to reduce carbon emission. But it is also the case that U.S. carbon emission has been declining 22% from the years of 2005 to 2020. Global emissions were flat over the last decade, and weather-related disasters have declined since the beginning of the century. And there is no scientific scenario for mass deaths from climate change. A far more immediate and dangerous threat is the inefficiency of energy supplies due to the U.S. government's policies and actions aimed at reducing the oil and gas production. Folks, I'm going to stop right there and just say we all know that now we have moved into naming tropical storms, Hurricane 1, Hurricane 2. In other words, they're naming all tropical storms to make it appear as though there are more storms happening to further the agenda of climate change. The, also, the, the fact that Michael Schellenberger points out that this is all being brought on by the Biden administration. He continues on by saying the Biden administration claims to be doing all it can to increase oil and natural gas production, but it's not. 
It has further fewer leases in oil and gas production on federal lands than any other administration since World War II. This is a fact. It blocked the expansion of oil refining and it uses environmental regulations to reduce liquefied natural gas production and exporting, which is the cleanest bridge fuel we have currently. It has encouraged greater production by Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, and other OPEC nations rather than U.S. And its representatives continue to emphasize that their goal is to end the use of fossil fuels, including one of the cleanest natural gas by undermining private sector investment. We've all been hearing about ESG and how that is coming into play with the amount of money that they are willing to lend to operators to continue to drill. If this committee is truly concerned about corporate profits and misinformation, then use the approach fairly. Think about this, folks. Big tech companies make larger profits than big oil companies do, yet they're never called out, nor has anyone acknowledged that the U.S. oil and gas industry effectively subsidizes American consumers to the tune of $100 billion per year, and they've been doing that for the last 12 years, resulting in many bankruptcies and financial loss of these companies. As for misinformation about climate change and energy, it is rifled on all sides. And he goes on to say, I question whether the demands for censorship by big tech firms are being made in good faith are consistent with the rights protecting the First Amendment. And the efforts by the Biden administration and Congress to increase reliance on weather-dependent renewable energies. Now, remember, here in Texas, we had in February, Snowgate, uh, the wind turbine motors froze, making wind turbines useless, and solar was covered with snow and they were useless too. So so he is correct that we are relying on weather-dependent renewable energies and electric vehicles, undermining Americans' industries and helping China. Remember Donald Trump was always talking about China, 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 China. China has more global market share in the production of renewables and EV and their material components than OPEC has over the global oil production. Think about that, folks. It would be a grave error for the U.S. to sacrifice its hard-won energy security for dependence on China for energy. And he goes on to say, while he supports reparations of these industries in the U.S., it's going to take decades, not years. Increased costs tied to higher U.S. labor and environmental standards could further impede the development. And there is also significant underlying physical problems with renewables stemming from energy dilute. You know, it's, think about it. They require so much land. It just requires so much. Uh, they're just, we're not ready to make the pivot and the turn to renewables, folks. And he just goes on to say how the government has been part of the problem. The right path forward would increase oil and gas production. Uh, in the short and midterms and increase nuclear production in the medium to long term. And the U.S. government should be by extending and extending heavy subsidies for renewables, expanding control over energy markets, but without a clear vision for the role of oil, gas and nuclear. We should seek to expand the natural gas and oil production pipeline and refineries to provide greater energy security for ourselves and to produce an efficient quantity for our allies. Remember Biden promised Europe that we were going to help them, but yet we're not drilling on federal lands. They're slow walking permits 
and the production is not where it could be here to help our allies. This is coming from the Biden administration. We should seek significant expansion to nuclear power and to increase energy abundance and security, produce hydrogen, and one day phase out all fossil fuels. While the latter shouldn't be our main focus, particularly now, radical decarbonization, it should be a medium to long-term objective with the context of creating an abundance, secure, and low-cost energy supplies to power our remarkable nation and civilizations. To that, I tell Michael Schellenberger, bravo, you hit everything perfect, and let's just hope that our members of Congress will listen. Energy scarcity also leads to a matter of national security. And this administration has truly done a lot of harm to the energy industry. And the American people are seeing it and we are paying for it. Let's switch gears. Now, before I bring on my guest, Carrie Davis, I wanna talk about the importance of ports. Many of us really don't realize how important ports are to First of all, the goods and services that we all enjoy, and also the security issues at hand when we think about ports being vulnerable to terroristic threats. Since we all remember 9-11 and uh, terrorism at uh, on our home fronts. So ports are a very important part of our national economy as well as the transportation system. They serve over 95% of cargo entering into the United States arrives by ships. There is over 360 commercial ports nationwide to help transfer these goods to their destinations in our communities across the nation. Ports are also serve as a significant resource for national defense and emergency preparation. And in addition to the impact on the national economy, ports also have an impact on the local communities, not to mention the impact on our national economy. Ports serve local and regional economies. American ports are the gateway for domestic and international trade. The U.S. seaports handle over 99% of the country's overseas cargo by volume and 65% of the value. And that's according to the American Association of Port Authorities. These figures are significant given that the value of the international trade accounts for nearly 30% of the U.S. gross domestic product, better known as GDP. To meet the increasing consumer demand, more ships are calling U.S. seaports than ever before, and ships are getting bigger and bigger. Leading commodity shipping through the U.S. ports to include crude products and petroleum products, such as gasoline, aviation fuel, and natural gas chemicals and related products to include fertilizers, coal, food, farm products, wheat, wheat flour, corn, soybean, rice, cotton, and even coffee. Forest products would include things like lumber, wood chips, iron, steel, soil, sand, gravel, rock, and stone. Automobiles, their parts, and machinery, clothes, shoes, electronics, and we all remember what happened at Christmas time when we were all worried, would we be able to have Christmas and would Santa Claus arrive for our children to have presents underneath the tree? Pretty scary things, but there's also a greater concern that our ports serve, and that's a matter of national security. You see, with so much coming through all the ports in the United States, 
The ports have become a very important part of national security. Therefore, in October 2005, the National Strategy for Maritime Security was approved by the President, and this strategy provided plans to address preparedness, protection, and response and recovery for both man-made and natural hazards that occur created by security concerns coming from our ports. So you can see, if we do not understand how important the ports are to us, all we have to do is remember what happened at Christmas time when we couldn't get toys. And also, all of the commodities that I spoke about just a moment ago of what we use every day. This is a vital resource for us. When we return from break, I will be joined by Carrie Davis, the Vice President of Government Relations and General Counsel for the American Association of Port Authorities, better known as AAPA. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. And now it's time for me to welcome all my guests for today's show. It's Carrie Davis, who is Vice President of Governmental Affairs and the General Counsel for AAPA. Um, Carrie, before we start, let me just briefly cover that AAPA is the American Port, uh, the American Association of Port Authorities. And so I want to start with welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Tim, it is a pleasure and an honor to be here with the Oil Patch Radio Show. It was great to first meet you while the ports took their show on the road and uh, the Washington DC based trade association went to Texas to meet with a really energized energy industry down there, find the commonality with our Texas ports. And now it's great to be on the radio with you. Well, I was really excited and I am excited to have you all on the show for the reason mostly that I don't really think that um, the American people really connect how important the ports are up until recently when we had the uh, bottleneck, if you will, of supplies uh, close to the holiday season. And they saw the spike in uh, prices for everything. We, we didn't know Christmas would be a good Christmas since Santa Claus looked like he was being stuck at a, a port somewhere <laughs> with all the toys. But well, I think what the general consumer... <laughs> public learned was how important ports are for what we rely on and for everyday products. The ports are also really responsible for a lot of high paying jobs. They connect farmers, uh, manufacturing and consumers to the world's market. So, so the port has got to be one of the most important commerce, one of the most important uh, assets that we have. And so that's why I'm excited to have you on the show today to talk a little bit about, you guys have been doing some amazing work on between the last president, President Trump, uh, President today, Biden, and they both kind of get how important the ports are. And thank goodness that we're starting to see some traction with infrastructure and an understanding of how important they are. So let's back up and begin with, what is the mission of the American Association of Port Authorities? Do you want to come be an advocate for seaports in Washington? Because that intro was spot on. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get at your question in a second, but my gosh, uh, the goods that move through American ports, which are literally the gateways into and out of our economy, uh, the, the, those goods indirectly support one quarter of GDP and 30 million jobs are directly and indirectly supported, again, by the commerce that flows through the ports. 
we, uh, the American Association of Port Authorities, which I'll call AAPA, everyone calls it AAPA, we are the storytellers for the port shipping supply chain maritime industry in Washington, D.C. So as the president and as Congress are making policies, strategic investments, regulatory decisions, and they span a, a gamut, you know, whether it's infrastructure or environment or human trafficking, you name it, there's some overlap with ports. We are the storytellers on behalf of the port industry when the president and Congress are making decisions. And I have to latch on to one other thing you said. I'm sorry to go long, but you got me excited. Um, the, the transition from vastly different men, vastly different presidents in President Trump and President Biden, but how the seaports have done re relatively well even through that transition. Me personally, I worked for President Trump. I was an international trade advisor for him. And as part of what we did during his administration was the China phase one deal. And we said, look, American exports and American products and American energy products have been discriminated against by some of our trading partners. We should be selling more to those trading partners. That's what President Trump was all about. And now President Biden has, has carried over a very positive uh, notion of supporting American workers and supporting American exports and modernizing seaports through a lot of the investments that are being made in the infrastructure. So I'm sorry to go along there, but you did get me excited. No, it's really important, uh, Carrie, because that's, that's the problem and the point is that we really have not had infrastructure issues in so long. And I think that we as the consumer, the American people have really forgotten and it came to our, uh, it, we were keenly aware of it last uh, winter when we started to see the bottlenecks and we started to see, gee, what does happen when we don't invest money in our ports and our infrastructure? And so I'm very glad to see there's a lot of great opportunities that are occurring as well um, with the ports. And so you're going to tell us today on the show, there's opportunities for, for companies that are service companies. There's a million, actually there's $3 billion dollars of uh, infrastructure projects that are happening as well. So we're going to get right, right, but I want to talk briefly about you guys uh, actually visited a LNG plant um, here in Texas. It's the first U.S. LNG powered container ship, I'm sorry, not port, built in Koppel in Brownsville right here in Texas. Exactly um, right. You know, we're starting to see more LNG plants being built. That's that has not happened. Uh, we're starting to see LNG moving. And a lot of the anti-oil and gas folks don't realize that LNG is actually a bridge, uh, a bridge fuel, if you will, a cleaner burning. And we're gonna continue to see that and we want that. We also wanna see other alternative energies as well, such as hydrogen and nuclear. And so we're gonna get into all of that here in the show, uh, but let's take a quick break when we come back, I want to talk about your visit to Brownsville. I also want to talk about your powers program. This is for all of you guys that are listening that want to do business in oil and gas. The port has whichever port you want to talk about. You know, there's Brownsville, there's Corpus Christi, there's the Houston Ship Channel. Plenty of money and plenty of opportunities for new work as this infrastructure bill starts rolling out. So this is an agency, AAPA, that you want to be a part of and join. Let's take a quick break, Carrie, and we'll return. We'll get on all of these topics and more. You're listening to In the World Patrio Show, and we'll be right back. 
the annual AAPA Conference and Expo is coming up in Orlando, Florida, October 16th through the 19th as seaport leaders and marine professionals will gather for networking, technical, and policy sessions. As the seaport's main event of the year, the AAPA Conference and Expo will provide access to the industry's top decision makers, professionals, and experts. If you or your company are interested in sponsoring this year's event, contact Kevin Traver at ktraver at aapaports.org. That's ktraver at aapaports.org. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Kerry Davis, the Vice President of Governmental Affairs and General Counsel for AAPA. Kerry, before the break, we're talking about the importance of the ports and what they mean for the consumers. Let's pivot just a little bit and discuss. So you guys were down here in Brownsville um, christening the first U.S. LNG-powered container ship uh, built in Kabul. So give us an update on what you're seeing at a port level of all of these LNG, either plants, um, these ships, what is happening and how important is LNG going to play a role in the ports? Kim, you've hit on one of the most important trends in all of maritime shipping, which is zooming out. How in the world are we going to fuel these massive, almost incomprehensibly large ships? Uh, some of them are bulk carriers. Some of them are liquid bulk carriers. Many of them, the, mo the ones we see most often on the news, are you're hitting the nail on the head. LNG has what I call an inside track, at least in terms of the sheer gross number of vessels being built that are going to be powered by LNG. It's kind of got its nose ahead of the pack in terms of the other fuels that could potentially be used to fuel all of these large ships. We did indeed, indeed see the christening of approximately 2,500 uh, container-sized shipping vessel that was christened on the West Coast. I was actually out at the port of Long Beach, California, where the christening occurred, although there was a, a series of events at Port of Oakland, at Port of Los Angeles, at Port of Long Beach, to celebrate uh, the christening of this ship from the Pesha Shipping Company, a great U.S. flagged shipping company. Of course, U.S. US flag has a very, relatively small percentage of the whole shipping business around the world. But as you can see, we are, US companies are at the cutting edge and uh, LNG 
has uh, approximately 175 ships around the world are powered by LNG, and there are many more on the way. That does not count the hundreds upon hundreds of LNG carrier ships. So these are ships dedicated to carrying LNG around the world. They too are powered by LNG, but we're looking at the next generation of ships, which will be used to carry other things other than LNG. Again, 175 currently on the water, many, many, many more. About 10 to 20% of all the ships being built around the world are being built to be run on LNG. And Carrie, just quickly, most people listening to the show have no idea the Jones Act and what that is. This is this is huge because of the fact that the Jones Act prohibits us exporting any kind of anything unless it's ships that are created right here in the United States. Tell us about that real quick. It, it's a, it's slightly different than than what you said. If goods are being exported from the U.S., that is, American-made goods are being taken elsewhere. It can actually go on any type of ship because, in fact, we want to make sure that those goods can get to market abroad. The issue arises when a, a ship is going from one U.S. port to another U.S. port, so it's being transshipped within the U.S. It has to be on a U.S.-built ship that's U.S. flagged, so it's domiciled in the U.S., and it has to be crewed by U.S. Uh, seafarers. And that's, that is to uh, protect the U.S. shipping industry. All major shipping countries around the world have these sort of cabotage laws. The U.S. is no different. So I hope that explains the issue. It does. It was what was mind boggling to me is just how long it takes to create these ships to be able to be utilized and how there hadn't really been any in a while. But I don't want to get off of the, the, the whole reason why I wanted you on the show was to talk about the Powers Program and your upcoming conference in Orlando, Florida. But thank you for clarifying that. When we return from break, I want to talk about your powers program. It's it's basically a program you guys have um, got that really will open up a lot of commerce for, for companies, service companies that want to do business at the port level. And there's a lot of infrastructure money going into this as well. Let's take a quick yes, break. Let's get into your powers program. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. Hey, when you're in business, you have to make a lot of tough choices. So let's talk about an easy one, your workers' comp coverage. If you're a propane or butane dealer or operator, you need to join the Lone Star Energy Safety Group through Texas Mutual Insurance Company. As a member, you'll automatically get a discount on your premium, plus you can earn double dividends that will go straight into your pocket. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Find out more at TexasMutual.com slash Lone Star Energy. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Carrie Davis, Vice President of Governmental Affairs and General Counsel for AAPA. And Carrie, before the uh, break, we were 
kind of discussing the importance of the ports. Uh, and now that we all understand how important our ports are, there hasn't been a whole lot of infrastructure um, going back of an importance of focusing on our ports and yet they are vital to us, period. And so you all have uh, come up with, you know, there, the, 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 there's a challenge between, we have to continue to have energy security, climate change, we have to look at it, but we also have to look at, you know, according to you guys and your data, the, the, the ports infrastructure and how difficult it is to get anything done because of the bureaucracy and red tape. So you guys created the power program and it's basically advocating for federal policies to support American energy powers and also just figuring out how do we decarbonize and how do we use the technology that, that's coming on board as well as environmental sustainability. So let's start with that. First of all, what is the POWERS, and that's P-O-W-E-R-S program. Kim, POWERS is Port Opportunities with Energy Resilience and Sustainability. And you're spot on that this program rose up in the context of unprecedented federal monies, grants, investments, and opportunities for ports, near port manufacturers, energy export firms, customers of ports in the shipping system to use their voice and influence to tell the government, look, the port industry recognizes the need for pragmatic, reasonable, long-term decarbonization. But in the meantime, we're at an inflection point in history where made in America energy products are being craved for abroad especially in the tragic context of a war where our allies' energy sources are being cut off. So there's a lot of geopolitical big, big speak and dime words to unpack there. But the main takeaway is that the government is very serious right now about the importance of ports in the supply chain and the need to invest in them. So what are the tenants? What do we as an industry with our partners advocate for from the federal government under the banner of port opportunities with energy resilience and sustainability, more made in America energy products such as LNG, which yes, is a bridge fuel that will help bridge the gap and the timeline from traditional hydrocarbons and petrochemicals to eventually fully renewable net zero energy sources. But in the meantime, we sit on a blessing and an abundance of gas. We should be, ex we should be continuing to grow the exports abroad increasing the use of alternative fuels to power our supply chain and power vessels and power port operations like LNG, propane, hydrogen, methanol, and ammonia. Some of them are very cutting edge. Some of them are already in use at ports. Electrifying port operations to make cleaner air around port communities and to uh, uh, get ports uh, more opportunities for electric vehicle charging as more and more cargo moving equipment and more and more trucks become electric powered, strengthening coastal and energy resilience at ports to withstand more intensive storms, to withstand attacks on our critical infrastructure. And finally, the development of offshore wind, which uh, it certainly has surprised me, every region in the country 
and nay, every region around the world is looking at the opportunity of offshore wind as one component of the energy mix that powers our economy. Ports, of course, are so literally close to that process. They marshal the equipment for the offshore wind farms. So that's another big issue. Taken together, that is the package that we're advocating Congress act on in the next one to three years. And Carrie, so on these pack, this powers program, how do you see this rolling out? I mean, everything you said sounds amazing in the way you've already got supporters as well for this, and we'll go into that in a second, but how do you see this playing out? So the federal government is gonna issue, what, $3 trillion of infrastructure to ports, and then do companies come in and apply for it? Can you explain how you see that rolling out when, when, it's, when it's time? Awesome question. The, the answer is a combination of there's already money on the table for these things. I'm going to go into a couple details about that, not long, but there's already money on the table for these types of efforts. And then more medium and longer term, there are very specific regulatory, you said it best, there's regulatory uh, red tape to constructing infrastructure projects. So we advocate for cutting through that. What do I mean when I say there's money on the table? The combination of the bipartisan infrastructure law, which was passed in late 2021, that had over $5 billion for port infrastructure. And now there's a recent bill, the Inflation Reduction Act, which has at minimum three and a half uh, or, or $3.06 billion for port infrastructure for these types of efforts as well. The money gets spread out across various federal agencies, including the U.S. Department of Transportation, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Pentagon, et cetera, et cetera. Each of these different government agencies spends the money on port infrastructure in different ways and for different purposes. But if you're involved in shipping through the maritime system, you've got to get in touch with us because there's money available for your projects in and around ports. And then longer term, you know, one example is well, even though every region, of, just to pick up on one example, even though every region of the country is interested in wind power development, there are leasing, there are auctions that have to occur through the federal government. There are environmental reviews that have to occur through the federal government. So, so longer term, you have to cut through a lot of that red tape to actually get shovels in the ground. It's, it's a tragically long process, but we're, get, we're making some headway and getting shovels in the ground more quickly. That's great. So let's take a quick break. And when we return, I want to get on the topic of your upcoming conference that we do plan on attending in Orlando, Florida. You're listening to the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The annual AAPA Conference and Expo is coming up in Orlando, Florida, October 16th through the 19th, as seaport leaders and marine professionals will gather for networking, technical, and policy sessions. As the seaport's main event of the year, the AAPA Conference and Expo will provide access to the industry's top decision makers, professionals, and experts. If you or your company are interested in sponsoring this year's event, contact Kevin Traver at ktraver at aapaports.org. Org. That's Kay Traver at aapaports.org. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, 
Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Carrie Davis, Vice President of Governmental Affairs and General Counsel for AAPA. Carrie, um, let's switch gears and talk about your upcoming annual conference and expo that's taking place October 16th through 19th of this year, 2022, um, in a beautiful Orlando, Florida. Let's first of all tell me this is your annual event. Uh, it's the big one for this year. What can we expect? And Really, you've got some great names that are planning on attending. So let's get into that. Tell me a little bit about the conference. What do you hope to achieve? And then we'll move into who are your uh, keynote speakers that are going to attend. Tim, thank you. Uh, we've spent a lot of time so far talking about the advocacy in Washington, D.C. that we do as a trade association, AAPA, on behalf of the ports. But we're also a convener. We bring together ports, marine terminal operators, their customers, trucking firms, rail, ocean carriers, uh, technology companies that's super hot right now, security companies, and of course, the energy industry to get together on an annual basis for a large convention where we network, we share ideas, we talk about trends in the industry, we get our internationals together. So we have seaports represented in Canada, Latin America, the Caribbean, Europe, that all come together for our annual convention. Like you said, it's in Orlando, Florida, October 16th to 19th. This is going to be one of the largest ever. Ports are kind of sexy right now. Um, I admit it's because when things break down or challenges arise, sometimes the importance rises to the top. But nevertheless, everyone is woke to how important our supply chains and ports are. Some of the keynotes, but, but as, as policy advocates, we never let a good opportunity go to waste. So we have large cabinet level policymakers in the federal government that are visiting with us, including General Stephen Lyons, he used to run Transcom, which is the military's transportation supply chain agency. And now he's a presidential advisor for ports and supply chain policy. He will be one of the keynotes, as well, fingers crossed, Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who, of course, oversees the United States Department of Transportation. Lots of other leaders in supply chain and transport. The head of NFI Trucking, Jeff Brown, will be there talking about new developments and transloading facilities at ports. We're super, super excited to bring hundreds upon hundreds of ports and shipping folks together in Orlando, Florida. And just out of curiosity, so if there is um, a company that's listening, uh, someone who is like, I've been wanting to try to get into the oil and gas sector, or more importantly, I've been wanting to try to get into the port, there's a lot of infrastructure opportunities there. Um, what can they expect? Is there, is there also going to be an exhibit as well, or is it just strictly seminars and networking? How does the three days lay out? Uh, for someone to get a visual on. There are all sorts of opportunities to actually shake people's hands, step into some side rooms, get deals done, exhibit your technology. So we have a large exhibitor hall, 
with scores of different companies that either sell directly into the port industry or are otherwise involved in supply chain business. We have an expo yard right outside the exhibit hall and the main hall where we're going to have all sorts of alt fuel vehicles. These are propane powered vehicles, hydrogen powered vehicles that operate in and around the port complex, either moving cargo or otherwise. We have a technology center where you can upload videos and uh, PowerPoint presentation style things for a technology that maybe can't be showcased in real time in the exhibit hall. But if you have some sort of materials, we will get you a dedicated time in the technology demonstration center where folks from ports, from CEOs of ports on down, CIOs, CFOs, chief legal officers, engineers, everyone who's involved in the operations of the ports attends these things and will get your technology displayed in the, in the technology center. So it was a wonderful question. There's all sorts, we have a different suite of options that attendees have to get their offerings in front of ports and other supply chain players. You know, you talked about uh, the, the importance of like, there'll be a lot of new types of jobs coming through. But you know, I remember when we had the snowstorm here in Texas in February and the ports, you know, they, they struggled with, you know, do we have ships come in, out? There were times of hurricanes come. There's also, you know, there's, there's, they must maintain and keep the ports open for goods for us, the consumer. However, there's also a whole other area of cybersecurity as well that they're having to look at and bring on as well. I thought I'd mention that because that was one of the things that we kind of didn't really touch on, but it's a really emerging thing of how important it is to keep the ports safe from terrorist acts as well as cybersecurity as well. Um, Tell me, uh, Carrie, a little bit about, you're gonna have a second conference. And that second conference is going to be for the POWERS program. That's in the 2023 time next year. And that one is scheduled for Tampa, Florida. What can someone expect on that one? And are tickets already on sale for that one as well? Tim, they are indeed. Thanks for the awesome questions. You're like the best interviewer ever. You're so involved in what AAPA and the POWERS program are doing. If, you, first of all, you can access any of this by just Googling. AAPA events, AAPA annual convention, AAPA powers summit, not dissimilar from what we were just talking about. If you're B2B, if you're a technology provider, if you're in oil, gas, alternative energy, such as the ones we were talking about, hydrogen, ammonia, methanol, there's an exposition aspect of the powers event in Tampa, Florida from January 20. 24th. To the 24th to 26th. Thank you. So you should definitely look if you want to learn about the cutting edge developments and the federal government investments and money and funding opportunities, you should come. But even if you want to be B2B, you want to do the handshakes, you want to get FaceTime with decision makers at ports, whether they're CEOs, whether they're environmental overseers, whether they are trade development folks, you should come to this program. Uh, what can you expect? Again, lots of discussion about how the federal government is going to spend these billions upon billions of dollars in port infrastructure and modernization funds. You're gonna discuss what are the exact strings attached with these funds. For example, if ports wanna take advantage of new energy infrastructure dollars, you have to set up dialogues with your community. You have to create opportunities for the local community that are affected by the operations of the port. These are the types of insider tips and tricks that we'll be talking about so you can avail yourselves of funds from the federal government. Well, Carrie, I wanna close with this. 
Quartz, and this is coming off of your website, Quartz sit as the epic center for energy transformation, both in the United States and abroad. And they are poised to build nearly $50 billion in green infrastructure over the next decade. So this is definitely a conference that you want to go to to understand what's coming down the pike for the ports here in North America. Uh, Carrie, give us uh, the website one last time before we let you go to either join us in Tampa, Florida on January 24th, 26th for the Powers Program and or the one that's coming up around the corner, which is October 16th through 19th in Orlando, Florida. Where do they go to get tickets or sponsor your event? Kim, just go into your Google search bar and do AAPA events. There is another trade association that goes by AAPA as well. It's related to the medical field. So you may be interested in that, but go down to the AAPA. <laughs> you know what? We have a whole events page on Twitter. Please follow us at Ports United. Be part of the discussion of all the things I'm talking about. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to work with you and to work with all the amazing uh, energy industry folks in Texas and across the entire country. Well, Carrie, thanks for joining us today on the UL Patch Radio Show. We look forward to seeing you on October 16th in Orlando, Florida. See you there, Kim. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.